Well, it's the uh, top of the hour, so good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and wherever you are, you're most welcome to join us today. And we sincerely hope that you and yours are in good health. I'm Julian Walker, and this is Business Travel on the Fly. Today, in our virtual broadcast studios, or homes as I like to call them, I'm delighted to welcome two former Olympians, Kaveh Marabi, former international badminton player, who is now Head of Athlete Relations and Engagement from the International Olympic Committee, and Tom Stites, the former kayak and skiing coach who led teams at seven different Olympic Games and who is the founder and CEO of Three Peaks Leadership. A warm welcome and thanks to you both for giving of your time so generously and also to you, our audience, as you join us for 20 minutes or so of conversation where we discuss the human impact of the fast-moving COVID-19 crisis and specifically its effect on the Tokyo Olympics. Today, we'll learn a little about how the IOC achieve effective communication to employees and partners and what it's doing to keep athletes and employees motivated, focused and informed given the evolving landscape. And also, we'll share some thoughts on how to adapt and plan ahead as the global restrictions start to be lifted. And if we have time at the end, we'll try and answer a couple of questions which have been sent through in advance. But for now, let me hand over to our guests, Kaveh and Tom. Tom. Kaveh, how are you this morning? Hi, Tom. Hi, everyone. I'm good. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm great. But I'm still, I have to tell you, the Olympics in itself is an event unlike any other. And now to be dealing with something like this, I mean, nobody could have planned for this one. So what are you seeing? No, it's very true, Tom. Uh, there is no blueprints for this. There is no blueprints for organizing a postponed Olympic Games. Uh, as you know very well, we, we organize and we prepare for the Games for six, seven years in advance. And, and in some ways, redesigning the whole thing, uh, this uh, organizing the postponed Games. So it's a huge task. It's a huge undertaking, but one that we are very motivated to do. Uh, because obviously the Olympics is uh, hopefully bring a message of hope to the whole community and the whole world at the end of uh, hopefully this pandemic next year. Yeah, I know. The, you know the the mental challenge, especially for the athletes and the coaches who've been planning for you say up to six or eight years. When I speak with some of the younger coaches, especially some who have only been through maybe one or none Olympics, because as you know. Usually going to one Olympics is a chance of a lifetime. And actually, if you think about it, if you're an athlete, some athletes start when they're four or five years old dreaming of going to the Olympics and suddenly everything is postponed and nobody really knows how to handle it. It's really remarkable at this point, unremarkable at this point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think to put it into perspective, actually, uh, you're, you're really right that uh, even going to the games for once is a is a opportunity of lifetime. Actually, uh, only 70% of the summer Olympians only managed to go to one Olympic Games. Uh, so meaning only 30% they can go to more than once. In the Winter Olympics, that's slightly lower. So 60% of the Winter Olympians they only go to one Olympic Games, and about 40% they go to more than one. So again, the large majority are only managing to qualify once in their life. And as you said, for them, it takes decades to prepare. Um, you're right, the, the, mental, uh, the mental challenge of this situation is massive for everyone. Is everyone feeling it? And, and athletes, at the end of the day, as strong as they are, as, as, uh, as much as they are looked up to as a role model, but they are still part of the society, they are still human, so they still feel all the challenges and all the 
difficulties that everybody else um, feels in the society, but hopefully they're a little bit better equipped through their own journey as an athlete to deal with it. Uh, but it's not to think that they, they, they don't face these challenges. Yeah, you know, it, it's, I laugh a little bit. It's easy for you and I to sit here and talk about how people should get over it and put it in their back of their mind, but try to put it in perspective, as you said, if it truly is a once in a lifetime and it's postponed, you know, the mental, I can't even begin to describe the mental gymnastics that that goes through. What I have told people in my experience, because I've been lucky enough to been through many of these, right, seven Olympics. Um, in Salt Lake Olympics, if you think back, we had 9-11 in September, obviously. Five months later, the U.S. was hosting the Olympics in Salt Lake City. And at that time, I remember there was talk about postponing the Olympics with all of the terrorism threats. And at the time, we couldn't even begin to deal with it. But looking back on it, what I learned is this too will pass. And what we decided to do then is we spent a lot of time talking, analyzing the risks. And myself and many of the Olympians were actually on the, on the day two of the international flights when they opened back up. And we flew from the U.S. into Germany because we had just decided that life has to go on. And I remember being on that plane and thinking, okay, am I doing the right thing? But my learnings from that is, as hard as it is to kind of internalize all of this, things will get back to normal. Yeah. Now, I really like what you said and, and about what you said, that this too will pass. It's not the first time that the humanity or society is facing a big challenge. It's obviously a very concerning health challenge, but this too will, will pass as well. And then, and as you said, and I want to quote uh, one of our um, guests that we had a uh, discussion with uh, the other day, Elliot Kipchoge, who, who is the first human being that won the marathon under two hours. And he put it actually in a very interesting perspective, and I want to, uh, I won't remember his word word by word, but kind of quote him. He was saying that in marathon, you, you, never, you hardly ever have a super flat uh, uh, track. You know, you have a little bit of an uphill, you have a little bit of a downhill, some areas are a bit flat, and, and you always have to get used to those conditions and have to prepare and, and know that in the part of the marathon that is a bit of an uphill, even though it's a marathon, eventually that part also will come to an end. So uh, I guess as a society and as a, as a community, we are a little bit on the uphill of the marathon, um, but I think we can all by confidence say that this too also will pass. and then. Hopefully we will uh, come to the other side of it and then look back and as the community feel all stronger. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way of putting it, right? We all have to climb over a little hill, although I would describe this hill as a little bit more, a little bigger than just a little hill, right? Um, you know, I, when I think back to the Salt Lake Olympics, the U.S. ski team had a goal of 10 medals and we were lucky enough to achieve that. But one of the things that we did realize is, and this seems a bit ironic, but we were able, we were one of the first nations to kind of go back to work. And I'm not advocating that everybody should go back to normal. Everybody has to make their own decision. But we were sort of forced because it was the home games. And so there was more pressure on us to do well. And you know that as the organizer, as an organizer, right? And so we decided, look, Life has to go on. 
And we were one of the first teams to go back to international travel and international practice, if you will. And I know some of the former Olympic coaches from other countries are friends of mine. Um, they waited until they were absolutely sure that it was the right thing to do. And then they brought their teams back together and began to practice. And specifically, there was a lot of interpretation or fear about coming to the U.S. to practice on the venue. And a lot of teams forego or gave up that chance. And, you know, looking back on it, I think they would have done it a little bit differently. But again, I'm not here advocating telling everybody to travel. That was just our own personal experience of how we tried to take a negative and turn it into a little bit of a positive. Yeah, no, I, I see exactly what you mean. And, and I, I will uh, add to that, that I think in any situation, if you just extract one element and try to address the situation in isolation with considering only one aspect, you probably will not land on the, on the right place. Uh, and, and any situation like this situation, there's a variety of uh, uh, points that you need to consider uh, to, to decide what are the next actions and what is the direction you want to go. And, and as you said, in this situation will be the similar case that all the balance, uh, balancing act that everyone has to do, of course, is a major health concern. So we have to follow all those advices, but we have to balance that with the, also the reality of life. and, and and make sure that we take an informed decision and a balanced decision. And, and I think the reality is that the, the, the real uh, logistical challenges or the reality of life for each industry or each uh, sector in business will probably will be a bit different. So probably something that w could work for one company might not directly work for another. So that's why I always try to think about the, all, all the different aspects of a decision and then and balance them all out and then try to find a, the best possible uh, way forward. And I don't think this is particularly any different from that principle uh, way of considering how to make the decision. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Everybody's going to think about it differently. The, you know, back to some of the Olympians, as you say, it's a once in a lifetime. The, the best advice I can give the coaches and the athletes is Focus on what you can control. We can't control the spread of the virus, but you can control how you go to work and how you do your job, and specifically how you're going to prepare. So again, as you know, most Olympic teams, regardless of the country, what a lot of people don't realize is we get together with other nations and compete and train together because it is one big family. But suddenly, if you're from country A and you had a practice session scheduled with country B, you're not getting together. And so how do, you know, my advice to the coaches and the athletes is how can you maximize this situation to do your job the very best? Because look, every time you turn on the news, every time you see a webinar like this and everything, your brain just fills up with all of the uncontrollables. And I think to your point, the same with business, we need to think about how we do our job the best and how, when, how, if and when travel becomes a part of that. Yeah, no, I it took, couldn't agree more. And the one point, I, again, every, I, I'm building on everything you say, but uh, I, I think you, you touch on it very, very well, that, that there is a huge amount of information out there with social media, with news outlets, with, as you said, webinars and everything. So I think actually to a very large extent, it's very important we even 
make that decision and, and you know as a coach and as an athlete and I certainly did the same that you even have to be selective on information that you are taking in to make sure that it's from the credible sources so the decision ultimately you want to make is based on those informed decisions so these days with everything going on on social media and all different news channels it's even probably more important than ever to to make sure that we actually get our information from credible uh, sources yeah, and I think actually, as you say on that, I'll, I'll build on you, right? Um, that the business travelers, the business world, they, they have a bit of an advantage. Uh, at least I will, I will, I'll pick on the U.S. from the U.S. Olympic team, right? The Olympic coaches and leaders are not experts in health and safety and travel, right? Um, and whereas if you look at some of the companies of, you know, around the world, they have experts whose job 24-7 is to determine when it's safe and how much travel, when and where. And so the companies and the employees of the workforce are a little bit in a little bit better place than the athletes of the world because they're much more prepared. And so my advice to those folks would be is focus on what you can control, do your job, find a way to figure out how to maximize what it is, you, what you're paid to do, and leave it to the experts. And they will figure out when you can start to ease into travel because it, it's going to happen. I mean, I, I certainly don't mean to be flippant of a situation, but 10 years when we look back on this from now, it won't seem as big a deal. It, it just never does. That's just how life works. Yeah, true. I always, when you're in the middle of it, it feels more, uh, uh, yeah, more overwhelming than it might be when you look back and then. Uh, yeah, experience usually in these periods, uh, it helps. It's again bringing it back to the sport context. That's where you see probably the the biggest difference between a young athlete and a more more experienced athlete, because the more experienced athlete uh, probably has seen those uh, kind of precious points a few more times in his or her career. So she or he is more comfortable with uh, dealing with this pressure point where a younger athlete the first few times that they face it they feel like okay this is the matter of life or death you know where an experienced athlete can digest it and even in real time make a more um, calm decision and i think uh, that metaphor putting into what you said it makes uh, uh, it makes complete sense that looking back probably in some years time you will see that okay it was definitely tough but but it's something that we we get through it and then it probably would feel less less overwhelming uh, looking back than what we feel probably today. Yeah, no, I, I'm sort of chuckling to myself because, you know, as you know, as you said, it's a once in a lifetime uh, opportunity. And, you know, the interesting thing is if you make the Olympics and you go to the Olympics, and let's just say you're 25, 20 years later, if you're meeting a new friend or at your cocktail party and you say, oh, I went to the Olympics 20 years ago, the very first question you always get asked is, how'd you do, right? And so the difference here is, I challenge anybody who's going to a business meeting or business travel, 20 years from now, when they're explaining it to somebody in a social setting, they're not going to say, how'd the meeting go? And so the stakes are a little bit more, or a little higher, definitely, in the Olympics. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, the one thing I wanted to touch on is, as you said, like how we'll get through this and, and how we'll get over this hell. I think 
I, the one thing we have experienced from our side and, and uh, something that we really try to practice within our team and across the organization is that transparency and engagement with, uh, with the team around you, you know, because um, there's always people that they might be either exposed to more information or more experience in the job and, you know, comparing that with the, uh, with the sports context would be probably the coach athlete relationship that the coach might have had more experience and, you know, have more knowledge and so on, but to, to help get through this situation, that transparency and, and engagement in the, in the process is very important because you help to bring the persons and the team with you and you explain to them why you make certain decisions that you make and, then, and usually that helps even in the difficult times, even if the decisions might be difficult for them to accept it easier and then be part of you to, to push forward. And, and the other two things in this context that our personal experience is that the contingency planning, again, is very similar to sports. Like you always have to have your tactic B, C, D ready because it's not always that the plan A will work. And then you probably won't have time if plan A works to start thinking about plan and B and C. You should already have it in your backpack ready. And, and the third thing that, again, we have experienced is uh, that uh, a balancing act between the long-term and short-term goals and vision, which again, you can really compare that to an athlete and the coach life. And, you know, you always want to have that long-term goal, which is hopefully winning the Olympic gold medal, but, uh, but that's not the first goal you will achieve. There's probably a number of goals you have to achieve before you, you hit that one big goal. So I think at least from our point of view and from the practice we try to do in, in our team, those are very, very transferable and very, uh, implementable in business as well. And, and I certainly found it very helpful with my media team. Yeah, no, as you say that, I'm actually learning a little bit myself when I'm thinking about my own travel because it comes down to how you handle it and how you deal with it as a person. I can give you an example of when we didn't handle it very well. And I was that younger Olympic coach, right? In 1991, when we had the Gulf conflict, conflict we were actually evacuated during the year during the World Cup season, and we were actually evacuated before the war started, and the CIA had gave us a, a warning and they had evacuated us in the middle of the night. But the World Championships in Italy, the Nordic World Championships, were four weeks after that, and we were getting ready. We were putting on the uniforms. We were going to walk in opening ceremonies. It was 300,000 people in the stands, televised worldwide. And the rest of the nations voted and became very afraid. And they came to us and asked us to please not march in opening ceremonies. And of course, we couldn't go out there and march after the rest of the nations came and said, hey, we'd feel safer if you didn't. And that rattled myself and the rest of the athletes so badly, we were never able to get our act together, if you will. And it was the worst world championships that I ever had as a coach because I just fell apart. I, I couldn't deal with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping no. I'm a little bit older. Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, um, my coach used to tell me that you can never be too prepared because no matter how many scenarios you will be going through your mind, there's unfortunately sometimes there's that one scenario, like in your case, that probably in your worst dreams you would have not even thought about it. So it's it's difficult. That's why it's very, very important to to consider about all different options. So it, you can, I, I don't think you can ever be too prepared because 
there's just so many unknowns out there. So you, you really have to think about different aspects of uh, the business and work uh, when you are when you are coming to these situations. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So my advice will continue to be to the athletes and the coaches that I talk with, and and to some degree the same people in business is how do you turn this into a competitive advantage? I mean, you and I are competitors, probably a little bit more than the average business person. But I think, okay, the whole world, all of the Olympic teams, all of the business world has delivered, has, is dealing with the same setback. How do we take advantage of that and get a little bit of a competitive edge, right? Again, I'm not saying you need to be the first to travel, but I do know that, you know, there will be an advantage to some of the companies and or people who get out there a little bit earlier and able to and are able to attend a few meetings, visit a few customers, that sort of thing. Again, only when it's safe. But you know, looking back on the situations that I dealt with, I I can't say that I ever acted too quickly, and I probably erred on the side of caution. And it's so hard when you're in a situation like this to actually put it aside and act. It's so easy to sit and wait for somebody else to act, to your point. So everybody, including the business travelers, need to make a plan and need to be ready to move on that when they feel safe and secure. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think we, again, building on what you said, I think it's about probably setting new goals and setting new expectations, maybe in some cases for your business and even for your team. And because that things has changed let's be let's be honest about it you know and at least for the short period of time we will have to adapt our our activities or, or how we behave to some extent so by looking at our strategies and our businesses and then how do we operate um, then hopefully it will help you talking about the competitiveness it will help you to get a competitive edge over others you know if you think about like okay when is safe, how do I want to operate and set new expectations and new goals uh, and accepting the reality of the situation and then kind of playing a little bit with the new rules, if you like, then, then hopefully as a business, you can get a, get a competitive advantage because it's uh, one thing that it has proved to us this uh, health crisis is that uh, the world is a competitive place. And if you are not uh, able to adapt quickly and adjust and set new expectations and new goals, you, you might uh, be one or two steps behind. So I think, again, this is something that we try to do as well. And, and, and that would mean different things for different businesses. And everybody has to decide when is for them safe to do certain actions. But, but I think one thing is for sure that you do need to look at it with a new, fresh set of eyes, setting new expectations and, and, and setting new goals. And again, very importantly, discussing that with your team to make sure the whole organization and the whole business comes on the journey with you. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. I, I do feel a little bit sorry for you, my friend, right now, because as I think about this, I'm putting it into the context of a business meeting. I can't think of any other meeting, and I'll use that word, that would bring more people from more nations together than the Olympics. I mean, that's the point of this, right? Is to bring everybody from the world together and let's face it, every country is going to handle it a little bit differently. You've got to take into effect every single nation and how and when they're coming out of this and when it's safe to bring them all together. You know what? I'm kind of glad I don't have your job right now. 
<laughs> no, it's <laughs> yeah, but and and, and it, you know we are very lucky. The the good thing is that as the IUC, we also have the the best and the most global partners in the world with us. And and uh, you know it's not a decision that we will be making alone. You know we are continuously following the World Health Organization advice. Uh, we are obviously liaising very very closely with the Japanese government, with the local organizing committee. This type of decision, and you said it perfectly, with these skills, with the fact that we are literally bringing the whole world together for those few weeks' time, no organization will do it alone. So we are we are very fortunate that we have very strong partners, very strong international partners, and then with the best experts in the world that can, as you said, like leave it to the experts, like we can collectively make sure that we have the best information and, and then hopefully um, the leaderships will uh, be able to make the best possible decision based on those uh, information. But I think one thing that we have been very cautious and very careful about is to make sure that we consult and we get the best advice in the world that we can get to make sure that the decisions are the most informed decisions that it could be made. Yeah, now me myself personally, I'm actually, even though it's quite a ways out and hopefully the pandemic will be, be behind us, it'll still be part of us. But when I think about it, the Olympics and, and you and the IOC bringing all of the athletes of the world together, when everybody walks out into opening ceremonies as a group, I know personally that's going to make me feel that the world is actually coming together and putting this thing behind us. So I'm really looking forward to sitting on my couch as opposed to walking in it. Um, with a bag of Doritos and a soft drink in my hand and watching the world come together and feeling it's safe again. No, it's, uh, you said perfectly. And then uh, uh, you, you gave me goosebumps with saying those words. And, and if, you, uh, if you would have heard um, uh, the, the statement of the IUC president uh, following the joint statement, you heard that we all hope and we all work towards making sure that the Olympics will be the, the light at the end of the tunnel when uh, hopefully the pandemic, the worst part of it is behind and as, as you said, it will be something we'll remember, but hopefully the Olympic Games will be that sign of hope for, for the world for the world, and really bring the whole world together uh, in unity and, and play that role, a real role of a sign of hope at the end of the tunnel. That's certainly what motivates us on a daily basis to go to work, or I should say, go to our kitchen table and work from home these days. But, uh, but we are very excited and very motivated and something that we feel that we are doing something that hopefully can contribute to the, uh, to the sign of hope to the whole world and, and, and even beyond sport. Superb. And, and that's fantastic words of advice for everybody from you both. Thank you very much indeed. Um, that brings us pretty much to the end of our time slot today. So we don't actually have time for questions, but you've covered those that were submitted. So thank you very much. So we've looked at, you know, anxiety, training schedules. Two big takeaways are, you know, concentrate on the things that you can deal with yourselves and leave the rest to the professionals. And the other part is contingency planning. Plan, plan and plan again. Very, very good insights, uh, tips and lessons there. Thank you both very much. It's a huge thank you to Kaveh and Tom for their time. Uh, thank you for joining us as well. And until next time, it's goodbye from all of us on the fly. <laughs>